0: Yes. Five,
1: four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of Flag and Banner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business.
0: Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today is Mr. David Seuss of Seuss Stained Glass in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and has done what many an artist long to do, turn their art into an income-producing business. Seuss Stained Glass, founded in 1979, creates products that are handmade and rooted in history and tradition by craftsmen and their apprentices. Their products are designed to last hundreds of years and provide enjoyment for generations to come. All these qualities are a rarity in our current capitalist economy that rewards short-term gains and disposable consumerism. It was the late 60s, early 70s when David, a former Ohioan, was transferred and stationed at the Little Rock Air Force Base. During his free time, he took classes at the Arkansas Art Center where he fell in love with glass-blowing And this led to his interest in stained glass. After serving his country, Mr. Seuss returned to Arkansas in pursuit of his craft. In 1979, he opened Seuss Stained Glass, and the rest is history, or should I say, made for history. David's work are as far away as a museum in Germany, a church in Florida, or as close as a friend's stained glass front door. Nothing too large or too small when you are doing something you love it is my great pleasure to welcome to the table artist entrepreneur and teacher mr david seuss
2: thank you very much
0: (laughs) so david that's an interesting name
2: seuss it's hungarian
0: i was gonna say do you know what it is let me spell let me spell for my people that are my listeners it's s-o-o-s
2: yes i have i have had people ask me say gee you don't look chinese
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh it does i didn't (laughs) think about that being a chinese but Mm -hmm. it's
2: hungarian i've been told in in Hungary it's as common as Smith. So
0: Seuss is as common as Smith, Smith in Hungary.
2: Yeah.
0: And, well I'll be done. Well let's start at the beginning. You came to know Little Rock, Arkansas, because you were stationed at the Little Rock Air Force Base.
2: Yes. Uh I when I got my orders to come here I knew absolutely nothing about Arkansas. Uh, all I, I had this uh growing up in a large city in Ohio up north, uh Cleveland. Yeah, in Cleveland. Um uh, I expected everybody to look like Snuffy Smith in the comic strips, uh, which dates me a little bit. But uh, <laughs> overalls, and uh, I knew I had a cousin lived here somewhere. But uh, and I, of course, I knew about Central High School. But uh, that was really all I knew about the state. And uh, when I was driving over here uh, for the first time, I was coming across from Memphis, and I thought, well, where are the Ozarks? You know, it was all flat. But uh, I, I came to really love it here so
0: yeah you did because you came back yeah (laughs)
2: um
0: so how did your decision to join the air force come about you're an artist
2: did you Um, always have an artist bend? well yeah i mean when i was in high school i was one of the kids with the the great potential who didn't apply himself oh yeah that's uh, an artist yeah uh so i spent most of my high school career in art class and then i took other sundry things like uh Service station management and vending machine repair and those were vocational those, really type things and uh, but then it was either once I graduated I uh, either had the choice of getting drafted at that time uh, or enlist so because it was the Vietnam War yeah right in the mid 1968 so I decided to enlist and join the Air Force
0: was your family military
2: no my dad was a landscaper and. Uh, my mother was just a homemaker and uh, really had no military. Well, he, my father was in the Army in World War II, like most people that era. Mm-hmm. But, uh,
0: so artists and military service do not at first seem to go together. Can you tell us about the juxtaposition of being an artist and being in the Air Force? How did that align with your uh, fellow airmen? It, what did they think I about you? I don't know you? that
2: it, it had... Uh, course, you know, in the military, you learn a, a set of values when you're in the military for, uh, hard work, chain of command, military, just military life period, you know, uh, just kind of in no excuses, you get the job done. So, uh, that, and I didn't really do anything in the service that was artistic. Uh, I repaired radio equipment, uh, when I was in the service.
0: But when you were here, you decided, I guess you learned about the Arkansas Art Center and decided, I'm going to start taking classes over
2: there. Yeah, I did. Uh, The Arkansas Art Center really helped me sort of get my start in in an art career. I took uh, classes in ceramics from Rosemary Fisher. I took sculpture classes. And about, I think it was like 1971, they offered a a glass-blowing class there. And they set up this thing as kind of a one-time workshop, and then it became kind of an ongoing part of the curriculum there for a while. And uh, I visited the fellow that was the that had come and done the, the workshop. His name was Boris Duchenko He was from Pittsburgh. And he had a, a big collection of old windows that he had bought in the early 60s in Pittsburgh when they were doing a lot of urban renewal and tearing down, you know, lots of neighborhoods. And you could buy, at that time, you could buy an old window for... Ten twenty dollars that today would cost you ten thousand dollars to have it replicated, so a
0: stained glass window,
2: yeah, and uh so i I was visiting with him, and I saw his collection of these windows, and that's really the first time I'd ever paid attention to to stained glass and After I got out of the service i I went back to Cleveland for about a year or two, and I took a class from a studio that was there and kind of got started out as a hobbyist and then sort of mushroomed and i came back to arkansas <laughs> thought i knew everything <laughs> and uh started to do little craft shows and some various things uh uh did some repair work on some of the old houses in the quapaw quarter uh, restoration work uh, uh did uh just a number of things. I even painted billboards for a while. And, uh, then I got a, a job at a studio that used to be in North Little Rock, a gentleman named Ely Mashburn, Mashburn stained glass. And I worked for him for about four years. Uh, I did a year in the artisan schools program, uh, The artisan schools, program. artisan schools program was like a resident artist program through the Arkansas arts council at that time. And, uh, I lived in Crossit for a year and, uh, Came back, worked for him for another year, and then uh, got uh, real cocky and thought I knew everything. And I broke off and opened my own business. So. <laughs> Why do you laugh
0: when you say thought I knew everything? Well, I
2: thought I knew everything. You know, it's the ignorance of youth sort of thing. You know, you get that, you get that youthful confidence, and I thought, well, you know, uh, okay, I got a, I've got a house with a mortgage. I got a one-year-old son and a wife and uh I think I'll just quit my job and borrow seven thousand dollars from my uncle and start a business you know, <laughs> so I didn't have a clue really you know i uh uh we we set it up uh i was able, I got a job at the art part time position at the art centers of teaching classes in stained glass and uh, so we started out you know just kind of doing small jobs residential jobs so uh, I taught classes, we sold supplies and that kind of thing. And then, uh, just sort of bumbled along, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't really know anything about business. Um, uh, I took a, a workshop one time in, uh, financial management for the closely held small business. And the guy, the speaker at it said that most, uh, most people start their own business because they've either lost their job or they've got some skill that they're good at, you know, and so they, they started and they're not, they don't come from a business background. They don't have MBA degrees or anything like that. So, and that was you, that was me
0: and that was me <laughs> and
2: well, you... I'm still not much. All I know about business is if the, if there's money in the checking account and the bills are paid, it's okay, you know, but you can, you can show me, you know, the account to say, well, it's all right here on the ledger sheet and this and that, and, you know, and Profit and loss statements and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like right your, over my your head. Wife, yeah. Does your wife work with you? Uh, she did for a while when we were starting out early. Yeah, she, she didn't now.
0: This is a great place to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with David Seuss, founder of Seuss Stained Glass in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Still to come, the founding story of Seuss Stained Glass. We're going to hear how long it took before he was able to support himself without working a part-time job. The history, tradition and craft of glass blowing. We're going to learn about that. Apprenticeship and nepotism in the workplace. And about his art. Where you might see his work, what was his largest commission, and who are, who are his biggest customers? We'll be back after the break.
1: You're listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 1995, she embraced the internet and rebranded her company as simply FlagandBanner.com. In 2004, she became an early blogger. Since then, she has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine, Brave, and in 2016, branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. And today, in 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years. If you'd like to sponsor this show or get involved with any of Carrie McCoy's enterprises, send an email to me, gray, at gray at flagandbanner.com. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags, the flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie.
0: Thank you, Gray. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. David Seuss. That's Hungarian, y'all. Founder, artisan, and teacher of Seuss Stained Glass in North Little Rock, Arkansas. So before the break, we talked about how David, an Ohioan from Cleveland who's in the Air Force, ended up coming to Jacksonville, Arkansas, at the Little Rock Air Force, where he enlisted and got stationed during the Vietnam War and ended up taking classes at the arkansas arts center where he fell in love with the artistry of glass blowing and stained glass so um let's talk more about starting such a unique business the art of glass blowing and making stained glass starting your business did the business just kind of evolve it sounds like it to me it wasn't like it was a light bulb moment it just kind of you were working for the Mashburn stained glass studio and thought i can just go out and do this and did you start it in your home
2: yeah we uh well i had even when i worked for mr mashburn uh, my wife and i used to do craft shows kind of as a side gig and we we would set up and uh you know we'd do probably five or six shows and we'd make little sun catchers and things that we'd take to shows and did that as a sideline while i was working for him and then um after i after i left there we we rented a a storefront down in levy on pike avenue and uh, it was that was it you know that was our our full-time job
0: did so, it so how long did it take a lot of people ask me uh, how long it took for me to get arkansas flag and banner off the ground and it was nine years i waited tables for nine years how long did it take for you to
2: get your business uh, off the ground it was uh we had sort of a negative uh a balance sheet for quite a few years i don't remember <laughs> did
0: the arkansas art center gig where you were teaching help supplement uh,
2: a little bit you know but that was you just got paid for you know so many hours a week whatever you were teaching it wasn't uh it wasn't really enough to live on for most of the faculty there at that time i don't know what it's like now but it you know you were part-time it, just for the hours so uh, the i have heard
0: from so many entrepreneurs that the money that they and if you go to a workshop but i've heard it The money that they need to start a business comes from family and friends. Yeah. It happened to me. It happened to you. um, And that that is the best place to look for money. A lot of people don't realize that when you're getting ready to start a business. Your family and friends know you, believe in you, and will give you money because they love you, basically. Yeah. Uh,
2: What? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that was the case with us. Uh, My uncle printed us some money. And and, uh, of course, we started out, it was a pretty low budget thing. I think our rent on the building was something like $200 a month or something at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so $7,000 went a long way.
0: (laughs) You know, that's a lot of money back then in
2: 1979. It was. I don't know what that would be today. Probably three or four times that amount. So let's talk about how many employees do you have now? Um, I have um uh, i did have five employees we have two laid off because of covid really uh yeah yeah primarily because of covid um uh, and uh it's it's been a pretty pretty grim year for us i wouldn't uh, think
0: that that would affect stained glass
2: yeah it's well uh, our main customers are churches oh that's right so about 80 percent of our sales during the year of churches so people aren't attending church in person. They're not, you know, something needs attention, or they want to change the the looks of the uh, sanctuary. Uh, all that stuff has gotten kind Put of off. tabled. And yeah. Fundings down, so it it's really hurt us badly this year. Um, Let's talk about the uh, art of glass blowing. Uh, well, I I didn't. I I don't I'm not involved in that anymore. That was more or less where I just kind of got. Don't my, you have
0: to do it somewhat though at your place?
2: No, not not for what we do. We don't really manufacture any glass per se. Um, we buy all the glass or material in the different colors and textures.
0: But I thought one of the people at your place, maybe Lynn Fitzgerald, was a painter of glass.
2: Uh, well, that's that's we use that term. Uh, if you go into church and you see Windows that have figures and scenes and that kind of thing, that's that's done by a hand painting process. That's um, uh, that is just applied to the glass and it's fired in a kiln. So that's that's where the term painted comes from. So.
0: so is everything in a in a stained glass window? Is it is it little pieces of glass?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's but all yet you're a,
0: saying some of it's hand painted.
2: Well. <laughs> But you don't when you paint the glass. You don't. You're not oh. really adding color to it. It's more or less like you're just doing a delineation or shading of. Or
0: putting eyes on somebody. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha.
2: Toenails and uh,
0: the little small stuff. So yeah. you've got the flesh-colored <laughs> face up there, which is the glass, and then you're going to go in and put the little details right. on. You paint it. the oh. hair.
2: You paint mm-hmm. all that. That's all. Uh, you do occasionally. You add some color. There is some work that's done with colored enamels, but by and large, the um, all the color comes from the, the glass itself. So,
0: so, um, teaching and apprenticeship in many ways, you're still teaching because you have apprenticeship.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't have any, I did have one young man that was working for me. Uh, had been there for a couple of years and I had to lay him off because of the, the COVID. And, um, but um, everybody else that's working for me.
0: Um, so the ups and downs of owning your own business, you've just talked about a lot because the uh, COVID has set you back. I think a lot of people don't realize that when you own your own business, um, it, it can be you can have a great year and then you can have a bad year. So did, would you do you like the idea of, of recommending other people to go into the stained glass business. It seems like a very unusual
2: business. Uh, Yeah, it is. It is kind of a weird business. Uh, It's, it's about one or 2% creativity and the rest of it is just work. Uh, Yeah. uh, I, 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 uh, we do everything from working off boom lifts uh, doing, I have a contractor's license in the state of Arkansas. So,
0: Because of the installation. I I do
2: sales work. We're a licensed and bonded insured contractor. Um, We have to do, uh, I mean, there's, we get in metalworking, woodworking. Um, It's, you wear a lot of hats in in stained glass. How can anybody learn to do
0: this? Uh,
2: Mostly by um, just apprenticing into it. You can, you can take classes. I mean, when I took classes from a studio in Ohio, I learned the basics of cutting and assembly and just the mechanics of it, but actually uh, running the business and whatever, uh, a lot of that, I just made it up as I went along. So,
0: <laughs> Are there very many places like yours around that do stained glass?
2: Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's another fellow here in town, uh, Jay King. He works uh, by himself. Um, there's a couple other, I think there might be one or two other small studios in Northwest Arkansas. But uh, most of our competition for uh, for church work is out- of state companies. Uh, we regularly uh, compete against companies from uh, oh gosh, uh, Arizona, Minnesota uh, Virginia, uh, Texas uh, just all over uh, when when a project is is more than say um uh, 25 or fifty thousand uh, dollars it it becomes worth it for. For other companies to and it's not cheap
0: to repair stained glass
2: <laughs> no it's uh it's a very labor intensive craft you, you look at a window and the uh the materials only make up about 10 or 15 percent of the cost of the material and everything else is labor uh in the, the cost of it so,
0: so uh <laughs> nepotism you and I are both alike in that we have our children working with us, and we and I we love it.
2: Yeah, yeah what, my, And my what? son works with me. Uh, my nephew uh, has worked with me for gosh, thirty-five some or plus years. Uh, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to keep uh, him. My nephew Nathan. Uh, uh, my son Jonathan. Uh, I have another fellow Ronnie Dorshak. He's worked with me for. Gosh, over forty, well, thirty years now, and so we've we've been able to keep that kind of core group of people together all these years. And uh, some of my sons worked with me now since he got out of college, uh, probably around. Oh, when was it? Like two thousand eight or somewhere in that that neighborhood. Uh, of course, he grew up, with, or you know, working part time in the business and mm-hmm. stuff. But I never really i never really tried to push it on him yeah mm-hmm. uh, i didn't say well you know this is going to be and son or all that oh
0: that's good yeah Susan's
2: son. and uh <laughs> and finally he he got out of college and did a couple other things and then he i think he finally decided his old man's business looked pretty good to him so
0: <laughs> that's a good idea you know my we, we had a family policy at my company that no child could come to work there till they, till they were 30 years old yeah. so that they could find out how good it really is to work for dear old mom and dad yeah 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 you know you got to learn that before you come back to the family business this is another great place to take a ba- a break when we come back we'll continue our conversation with mr david seuss founder of seuss stained glass in north little rock arkansas still to come the history and tradition of craft of glass blowing, apprenticeship and nepotism in the workplace we just talked about, and about his art form, where you can see his work, what was his largest commissions, and who are his biggest customers. After
3: the break. Here's a message from Dreamland Ballroom, upstairs in Taborian Hall, home of flagandbanner.com. When a great organization serving a great community issues a new mission statement, that's a big deal. And the Friends of Dreamland has one. Friends of Dreamland celebrates the community of historic West 9th Street, shares the legacy of Dreamland Ballroom, and preserves the original intent of Taborian Hall. Let's break that down. Celebrate the community. The men and women that lived, worked, and played in the West 9th Street neighborhood faced brutal social stigma every day, but thrived. We'll never forget this and we'll always celebrate it. Share the legacy. There's no doubt that the most fun and fascinating facet of the history of Dreamland Ballroom are all the legends that graced the Dreamland stage. Unfortunately, it's taken only one generation to almost completely forget this great history. It promotes pride in our hometown when we remember it and encourages us to do everything we can to keep this community strong. And finally, preserve the original intent. Taborian Hall was built as a central fixture of commerce, community organization, and entertainment. And that's our mission statement now. We have a major legacy to live up to and a lot of work ahead of us, but we plan to move forward. See how you can help develop the new mission statement into reality. Visit dreamlandballroom.org.
0: You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. David Seuss, founder, artisan, and teacher of Seuss Stained Glass in North Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, before the break, we talked about in the first section about David coming from uh, since, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, to Little Rock Air Force Base, shocked at being stationed in Arkansas. Thought we were all <laughs> going to be barefoot and pregnant here. And you were pleasantly surprised.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Everybody is. Everybody we've interviewed says, I always had this weird thing about Little Rock, Arkansas. And then I come here and I find out it's really a progressive, great-sized town.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? It was, uh, it was very interesting for me because, um, you yeah, know, I grew up in northeast Ohio, which probably two counties up there, uh, there's as many people live in those two or three counties as live in the whole state of Arkansas, and it's about the same geographical Size. area as the state of Ohio. So for me, I came here, and it was like I'd moved to the wilderness, you know, it was great. Are you an outdoors
0: person? <laughs>
2: uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I used to be a little more rough at outdoors person but now I'm more of the RV kind of outdoors person. yeah right
0: I know <laughs> I just got back from Miami and uh, loved it the weather was just wonderful but mm-hmm. there were so many people mm-hmm. and when I came home to Arkansas I was relieved I could feel like I could breathe it was just yeah. loved being there don't get me wrong <laughs> love the weather down there love the culture, but. Wow, you just get back to Arkansas, you realize how nice everything is. And then in the second break, we talked about you uh, starting uh, Seuss Stained Glass and about your son working there, and that we think you should rename your business Seuss and Sons.
2: (laughs) (laughs) S-U-N or S-O-N. Oh,
0: no, No. S-O-N. S-O-N.
1: But I like the alliteration, Seuss and Sons Stained Glass. That's a good one. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Uh, And then... um, about how COVID has affected your business, um, and that really stained glass is more almost construction work than artistry, which I, I thought was really interesting.
2: Yeah, it uh, it really is. It's it's a lot of labor. Uh, when we do a project, uh, probably about ninety percent of the work, actually the physical work, gets done in the shop, but then. We have to also go out and be able to install it. Uh, we have to erect scaffolding or use lifts or you know wear hard hats and harnesses and all that kind of stuff. So, it, let me uh, see your hands. Are they all cut up? No. How come you wear gloves? Uh, yeah, but most of my time it, 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 it's kind of like after you're you become successful at something, you get to do less of oh, what you actually delegate. Yeah, yeah. I spend most of my time sitting behind a desk <laughs> anymore. But,
0: you know. um, on your website, it says, Our guiding principles are rooted in the history and traditions of the hundred-year-old art form of stained glass. Our creation should last for hundreds of years. We fabricate each piece <coughs> with the goal of ensuring its survival and enjoyment for generations to come. That's not like anybody else. Most people have a um planned obsolescence
2: yeah no it uh we just recently uh we worked on a, a tiffany window that came out of a church in dyersburg tennessee and it was it was massive it was about uh it was about 76 inches wide and almost 14 feet tall and it was really it was built I don't know if you know anything about Tiffany windows, but they're built in multiple layers of glass. Some have like two and three layers. And what happened over a period of time is the uh, dirt and putty and various things migrate in between those layers of glass, especially uh, for the early years that it was installed in the church. It had no protective glazing on it or anything like that. So it would get wind blowing dust and rain and weather on it. So uh, it's a common problem with them, but we had to we had to take it down out of the church about thirty feet in the air and uh, uh, get it back to our studio. We even had to build some special uh, a special table to be able to to handle it, to be able to turn it and so forth. But what we did is we actually restored it. We sh- stripped down the different layers one by one, and so we ended up. I don't know. We never kept count of it, but there was probably over. Uh, I don't know, maybe 3,000 pieces of glass in the window. It was just, and they had pieces of glass in there that were like the size of a fingernail clipping. It was just crazy.
0: <laughs> How do you catalog
2: that? Uh, well, when we start, of course, we, we photo document everything, uh, make sure we've got pictures of everything. We take a, a rub of the the windows on paper so we've got a roadmap or a record of what, what it looked like before we take it apart. And then we photograph it again as we're disassembling it. Um, we actually uh, disassemble the window in a in a tank of water, uh, shallow water, uh, because there is a uh, a lead hazard to us working with it. Uh, the old lead is is most times very oxidized. Also, in the in the good old days, they used to mix uh, white lead in with the putty that they'd used to seal the window and take up the space in there so so that's probably our biggest exposure hazard to lead is when we're actually stripping a window down before we rebuild it but then and also the the water helps clean up the the pieces and uh if you if you look at our website we had photographs of it and there's just areas of the window that were just completely opaque you couldn't even see light coming through them anymore from dirt yeah just dirt built up in between the layers of glass so.
0: so when i'm looking at a red piece of glass in a tiffany mm-hmm. window you're telling me there's two pieces of glass in
2: there uh sometimes uh parts of the window were were one layer and some areas of the window were as as thick as three layers of, of glass to get
0: color density
2: uh get different colors to get um uh, uh just kind of shading, shading. they would um uh, you know they couldn't get a glass the color they wanted, so they'd combine two pieces of glass to create that that color, that texture, in there.
0: So when you take the lead out, what do you put it back with?
2: Uh, we rebuilt it with lead. Uh, the window was was rebuilt uh, completely like it was originally, um, all the same leading.
0: How do you do that? Is it is it is there not hazards uh, today about that? Not it's rules just about that
2: manual uh you just
0: there's no osha rules about using lead
2: yeah yeah there is
0: <laughs> but you don't follow them you just put your well, mask yeah, on we do i mean oh, we're, yeah, you
2: better say that we're we're pretty scrupulous about about cleanliness in our studio we have um the break room and the offices are on separate heat and air conditioning systems there's no food or drink allowed in the back of the studio does it
0: smell no
2: not particularly yeah.
0: But, you know, you can't have lead in paint today, which is a good no. thing. But they're going to let you put lead in your in your window. What yeah,
2: there was a, a controversy about that. Uh, I think back in the 90s they had proposed legislation that was going to eliminate lead in all forms in construction, period. You wouldn't have been able to use any kind of lead flashing, any lead for any purposes whatsoever. So basically it would have... It would have made our our work uh, and the restoration of any stained glass windows virtually impossible. Uh, You would have had nothing. There's no substitute. Not really. No. no. I
0: saw somewhere where you use plastic. Some people no, you replace plastic glazing, maybe.
2: Uh, Yeah, we do. We we do a lot of uh, uh, protective glazing work over church windows and uh, back in the 70s, Companies really pushed Lexan and Plexiglass over windows for protective glazing, and we haven't used any. You mean to put
0: that to put that in front of it, so you make the you make the
2: exterior glazing protect the window, keep the weather off of it. But
0: they were Uh, saying put Plexiglass window in front of that window.
2: Well, yeah, they would they would put it on the outside of the stained glass uh, to cover it, protect from the elements, and. What happens with any plastic is compared to glass uh, has a limited lifespan. It's it's going to discolor and cloud with age and so forth and lose its structural integrity. Uh, Mostly, what we use now is tempered glass over the outside. I forgot what
0: tempered glass means.
2: It's it's heat strengthened. Yeah, Uh, it's It's like safety glass. If you've ever seen a a piece of it actually break, it blows up into little bitty shards. So. But it it offers pretty good protection. It's maybe five times stronger than regular window glass. Uh, How
0: long did it take you to do that 14-foot Tiffany
2: window? Oh, gosh. We worked on that for, I don't know, it was at least six months, I think. Uh, You can't
0: charge enough.
2: uh, Well, actually, no, we didn't charge enough.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, that's one of those things that you uh, you will undersell. And then how does the person that gave it to you – feel confident about giving you something like that
2: uh you know that that's where your role as a salesman comes in you know you've got to be able to to go to the client and demonstrate to him that you know what you're doing uh when we we interviewed for that project we competed against uh a studio from st louis and one from nashville you wish they'd have gotten it no 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 (laughs) uh, no uh i you know we didn't It, it took a little longer than what we thought it would take labor-wise, but, you know, we still came out okay in the end. And plus it, it was, for us, it was enormous fun. Uh, we really enjoyed working on it. And it's it's a thing of taking a window that we had to insure for $2 million uh, before we could even move it. Uh, I can't imagine and, taking it out of
0: the place <laughs>
2: It sounds
1: terrifying. It does. <laughs> yes. and, uh, that's all. Yeah, it I was.
2: Think. It yeah. was. Uh, it was. Yeah, we we had to use a big boom lift to get it down off of the the church. It probably weighed. Uh, well, it came apart in three sections, uh, but it was actually the individual panels were built way too big. They should have been smaller, but uh, it it was really it was really fun for us because it was like you say we. We've rebuilt it. We put it back in. We corrected any structural deficiencies in it by adding extra reinforcing to it and uh, put it in a new frame that's not going to rot. Uh, we put laminated safety glass over the outside of it. And, uh, you know, barring a tornado or some other catastrophe, the window will should look just the same For how long? Two, 300 years from now. It uh, shouldn't be.
0: Nobody makes that's stuff crazy. like that anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does it drive you crazy when you see all these people throwing stuff in the trash and taking it yeah. to the dump?
2: Yeah, It uh it's, uh, you know, you work on it. You think about the people who built the thing to start with, and and uh, a lot of them probably worked for very low wages, uh, and they they really took a a pride in their craftsmanship, and so you're you know without getting too sappy about it, you know, you're you're continuing on that that legacy of craftsmanship from people you didn't know uh pass it on the road to somebody else so.
0: earlier in the interview you said it's not as much about art it's more about business i think it's pretty much about art and craftsmanship well
2: it it's a little bit everything you know it it just uh it's a it's a strange business. Uh, it is compared it's to a, a lot of enterprises.
0: So on your uh, your services, you list these design and fabrication of new windows for religious, residential, and public settings. Mm-hmm. Sounds like churches are your biggest customers. You said yeah. repair and restoration. That's what, what we just talked about. The mm-hmm. Tiffany fourteen foot uh, window from what city was it in? Nashville.
2: Uh, it's in Dyersburg, Tennessee, in the, a Presbyterian church there.
0: Okay, and then painting and firing glass.
2: Yeah, that, you... that's part of fabrication and new work, and also for restoration.
0: Abrasive etching,
2: uh, sandblast etching. Um, it's decorative. Uh, it's frosted. It, frosting like a frosting etching glass. You use compressed air and abrasive to uh, to etch it. So
0: uh, glass fusing i don't know what that
2: is uh that's combining glass with heat
0: Thought you said you didn't do much of that
2: uh we do some of it uh but it's not you're basically what you're doing is you're starting out with sheet glass and then you're you're melting it together on a flat plane to create a bigger flat piece usually uh if if we were using it for something it would be in a window setting but you could also do three-dimensional stuff with glass fusing
0: do you love
2: Chihuly? Do I love him? Yeah. His art? Uh,
0: Do you love Chihuly's he's, art?
2: He's a good designer. Uh, he's a good artist. He's also an excellent businessman, which is a very rare combination in any artistic uh, field. Uh, most artists don't know anything about business, but uh, and he he can't even blow glass now because he lost an eye uh, years and years ago. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's really been successful guy <laughs>
0: how, have, how many uh have you gone around and seen all his work in the different museums uh,
2: i've seen him in different places yeah uh, i saw they had a show here and i think it was it was the art center or the clinton library i don't remember it was the, the, the art, art center the art center
0: and then they had some pieces uh for they christmas up at mm-hmm. northwest arkansas What yes, was it yes they had
1: it at crystal bridges crystal bridges yeah. 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 he had a whole outdoor installation
2: yeah yeah but that's his incredible. stuff is all blown glass So you're yes. we working the hot out of a furnace but that's not what we do
0: installation that's what we've been talking about and sounds terrifying <laughs> and it sounds like you do a lot of that
2: we do uh well everything we fabricate we install uh we don't we don't hand it off to a third party to install it
0: um i know that we installing flagpoles. it's hard to find labor that wants to install and do that kind of stuff so we sell a flagpole. That's easy,
3: mm-hmm. but
0: getting the installation with reputable people that are bonded, like you said, and do yeah. a good job, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. So does everybody that's in your business offer installation or is that rare uh, for you?
2: Typically. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess there must be some people that that don't, but it, uh, we, uh, we, we install all our own work. And then we've we've fabricated and installed stuff for other studios too. There you so. go,
0: yeah. And then uh, protective glazing service, which we kind of talked about. So you're not putting plastic over the front of these; you are putting a coating on it.
2: Uh, no, we put we actually put another physical sheet of glass. Oh. on the outside, uh, we we've also kind of gotten in a sideline of uh, putting up. Uh, Protected blazing on historic buildings um, like we did uh, Plasky County Courthouse. We put up like 560 storm windows on the outside of the building. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of an offshoot of our uh, that of is. working on churches for us. <clears throat> it was funny because the uh, when we did that project, um, they had to advertise it for bids. And we were the only company that bid on it. They had some other people came and looked at it, but due to Why? Was it too hard? uh, It's the kind of, it didn't seem hard to us because we had the, we had a history of working with more complicated architecture and curved top windows and bowed windows and all this stuff. So it didn't really phase up, but, but us, but it's the kind of thing most regular glass shops don't want to mess with.
0: Right, they just want it to be order a yeah, square, to, order a rectangle, right. and get your guy to go install it. Slap it in. So have you thought gone. about branching out into that as a new product line, installing uh, 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 windows for historical buildings?
2: No, no, we really haven't. Uh, we the, the storm window thing is, is about the only thing we do. We've done several courthouses. Uh, we've done lots of churches. Uh, but that's, Storm that's, windows on all of those uh yeah basically they're like a storm window you need to start
0: advertising that Mm -hmm. i need storm windows on my house and it's an old house it's (laughs) on
2: my website we can come it is i was i
0: didn't notice it i was all over your website today (laughs) you'll
2: find a link there to allied windows and i'll tell (laughs) our listeners
0: that i just told you when you got here that i found a misspelled word (laughs) 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 so um you say that your business is rooted in history and tradition you say that on your website um what does that mean in the making of glass rooted in history and tradition does that mean the way you make it
2: well it's it's all
0: <clears throat> when did stained glass start
2: in about the 12th century that uh, is
0: pretty much rooted in history yeah
2: yeah um i could i could take somebody if i had somebody reincarnated from the 12th century and he walked into my studio uh i could probably put him to work uh because what the the techniques that we use and how the basic construction of windows has stayed pretty much the same. Uh, we have a few nice things like a little bit better glass cutters than they had back then, and we have uh, heat and you know <laughs> good lighting. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the uh, the actual craft itself hasn't really changed much
0: that's really unusual can't be robot i guess you can't use robots for
2: it we have gone to a computer for laying out our design work yeah uh that instead of drawing out the patterns full size on a piece of paper laying it out on the floor or wall or whatever uh we do it with a cad program on a computer and then it'll print out a big pattern for us
0: well i'm glad to know he's Got one foot in the twenty-first century. But Just one foot. As
2: far foot. as the rest of it, the the cutting, the glass, the assembly work, all that stuff, it's all still handwork.
0: Um, if you didn't hear the beginning of the show, it was good. You got to. I won't make. I won't recap too much. But we we learned how this Cleveland, Ohioan moved to Little Rock, how he started his stained glass business. I especially loved the last segment when we talked about the Tiffany. Uh, fascinating six by 14 foot stained glass window in tennessee that you took down two million dollar window that you took down took to the north little rock arkansas set in a bath of water and dissected and put back together over a six-month period did i about nail that right yeah, it's pretty
2: it was a lot quicker than the actual job
0: <laughs> what was
2: your summation of oh it yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll say six months on that one piece i think it's really fascinating um Your glass inventory is interesting, and I'm glad to know it exists. You have old glass windows in your warehouse over there.
2: Uh, Not too much old windows. Uh, We have what's called antique glass, uh, which is made by a hand-blowing process. Um, Most of it is imported from uh, Germany that we have. But uh, a lot of the glass we have is machine-rolled glass that's made by a rolling process, they use something that looks kind of like a giant washing machine wringer, if anybody remembers what those are, and runs the molten glass through there and rolls it out and extrudes it on a sheet. And uh, so we keep a... Uh, is that
0: how they do it now?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, they roll it out and extrude it. Uh, the other part of the antique glass is made by hand blowing, and they blow like a big bottle shape and cut the side out of it and lay it flat, reheat it and lay it flat to make sheet glass, so... But it's kind of like being a a painter and having to have one tube of every color you'd ever want to have because you can't mix it.
0: So So I just got the message that we are about out of time. So I want to quickly say how should someone today so i want to tell everybody that i have old windows in my old house and they're swirly glass and that you've got that there if yeah. anybody needs it because i always bio. want restoration glass if you need it it's it's he's got it the susan susan sons has it but you <laughs> should some and and then if somebody wanted to get into the business of stained glass
2: mm-hmm.
0: how would you kind of quickly recommend them doing that
2: uh go to work for a studio and is the best take, way to a, apprentice, learn apprentice just like yeah. the old
0: days an apprentice
2: yeah they're, they're just like the old days um, take, how long how does I, it take to learn oh it would take you several years uh i had the benefit of that because i worked for a studio that did bigger scale stuff which you know, where when i start on my own then i had the confidence to take on bigger projects where some people start out as sort of a hobbyist and they don't have that real world work experience yeah. in the trade Uh, they're much more hesitant to to sort of advance and and grow in the business.
0: Well, I have sure enjoyed talking to you. I hope the business turns I hope churches get back open again and you start having more stained glass. (laughs) I have a gift for you. Look, Ohio and Arkansas and a U.S. flag (laughs) for you to take home and put on your desk. That's a desk set of Ohio and Arkansas. Arkansas. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I just want to say in closing to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up.
1: You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, gray at flagandbanner.com. That's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple. To help you live the American dream.